Inspired by the life and art of the late Michael Jackson, MJ the Musical opened on Broadway uh, in February of this year. And as you can tell by the music, it tells the story of American singer, songwriter, and dancer Michael Jackson. Now, from its opening, MJ received mixed reviews, but it has been a success at the box office. MJ was nominated for 10 Tony Awards, including uh, Best Musical. It is a reminder, of course, the uh, long after his passing, Michael Jackson still remains a fascinating figure. Our next guest recently watched the play. He wasn't just another tourist visiting New York. Vancouverite Stuart Backerman was Michael Jackson's close confidant and publicist from 2002 to 2004. He joins us now. Stuart, thank you for uh, joining us today. Oh, I'm delighted, Jazz. Love your show, by the way. Oh, thank you so much, and it's uh, good to hear your voice. We haven't talked for, well, years and years, and uh, this goes back to my TV days, but it is really good to hear your voice. Um, First, um, I guess let's touch a little bit about on the play for a moment. Uh, When did you go and and watch the play? I saw it at the very end of June, Um, actually about June 28th, to be exact. And when you uh, went to the play, what kind of memories or what was going through your mind? Because you have such a unique perspective for all of this. You're not just another tourist visiting New York. Uh, What was going through your mind as you entered uh, the Neil Simon Theatre? Well, it was really quite an amazing feeling. Firstly, the energy in the crowd uh, was really quite special. And uh, I really noticed a a kind of a a younger skewing of the audience, uh, which was uh, quite interesting. And, of course, watching the show, you know, there was one point, Jazz, that I closed my eyes, and uh, the voice of Miles Frost, who plays Michael Jackson tremendously, by the way, and, of course, he won the Tony Award for Best Actor for his performance as Michael Jackson. I closed my eyes, and I swear before God I could hear Michael Jackson talking to me. I mean, his voice was exactly like Michael's. His singing was exactly like Michael's. His dancing, not quite. I mean, Michael Jackson was one of the great, great dancers of all time, but his dancing was tremendous and really gave a fantastic performance. But I was thinking about a lot of things, uh, particularly the first time I met Michael. uh, I was invited down to Neverland and flew down to Neverland and had a real special experience because um, <laughs> Michael's a bit of a jokester and took me to um, at Neverland, his movie theater, uh, as part of a tour of Neverland when we first met for the first time. Um, we Before we met for the first time, we had been speaking for a number of months about doing Peter Pan, the musical on Broadway. Um, that's how we initially connected up. We were, so we were going to do the show on Broadway and had, uh, connected with a number of New York theaters, uh, but unfortunately, you might recall the baby dangling incident happened in, uh, mm-hmm. uh, at the Bambi Awards in Berlin, and just wasn't an appropriate time to do a show about children. But because we connected kind of on an emotional level, my wife and I, Linda and I, adopted both of our children at birth, and of course, Michael Jackson adopted his children uh, at birth um, in conjunction uh, with Debbie Rowe, um, his wife, uh, uh, through artificial insemination, et cetera. But um, he said something so spe- special that first time we met um, regarding the whole issue of adoption when he said, Stuart, I can't believe that you rescued. He used the term rescued. He mm-hmm. rescued your your two children from what could have been, you know, any number of multiple foster homes or whatever the outcome might be. 
and um, was quite enchanted with the fact uh, that we had done what he had done. So we made a real connection. Um, but, of course, the Peter Pan show couldn't go on. In fact, we got in touch with Alice Cooper um, to um, consider playing Captain Hook, and there was real interest there. So could you imagine the show at that point in time, Michael Jackson starring as Peter Pan on Broadway with Alice Cooper as Captain Hook? Oh, my God. <laughs> so well, let's, let, let, but now let's, let's just talk about the play just for a second. I, want, I do want to get to some of the stories you're telling me here. When you walked into the theater to watch MJ, were you nervous, excited? Like, what, what, what was the emo- What excited. kind of emotions were you going going through? I was excited. Firstly, um, the estate actually having the gumption, Jazz, to put that show on, um, given you know the various um, allegations and some of the downside rumors and gossip that you know went along with Michael Jackson for all those years. Um, but they did it in such a wonderful way. Um, so I was excited to see how they would do it, and they really did it in a wonderful way, where they really sidestepped any of the, you know, controversial issues and focused on his artistry and his music and his famous songs and how they were presented. The choreography was magnificent, and the crowd, like me, was all sort of at the edge of their seats. And so it, it was really special. Um, and like I say, um, he was so good, Miles Frost, that, um, you know, he, he he just really pulled it off tremendously. And uh, I was really happy for him, and I was certainly happy for Michael that somebody um, as well-versed as uh, Miles Frost was, was doing the role for him. How did you and Michael meet? Was it because of that play, as you had mentioned? It was, or was yes. it a—so you contacted his office? No. Um, he hired a new manager— um, he let go of his former manager um, and hired a fellow that lived in Vancouver, uh, up at UBC, actually, a, a German fellow. Um, and that German fellow um, uh, was having lunch with a colleague of mine, uh, nothing to do with me. Uh, they were just talking about um, some high-tech applications that uh, the new manager wanted to bring in to the fold for, for Michael Jackson uh, to help rebrand him at the time um and they were discussing the fact that michael didn't really want to perform anymore um he he wanted to do uh, films he wanted to direct he wanted to do choreography he wanted to do animation particularly but he really didn't want to perform before but there was one show he's always wanted to do and it was peter pan the musical now i produced uh peter pan the musical um, here in Vancouver at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre after I left the city of Vancouver as head of arts and cultural affairs. And that show, that first night, opening night jazz, um, two producers, two very big-time producers, Marvin Krauss and Irving Siders, who had produced the original productions of Oklahoma, Guys and Dolls, South Pacific, those kinds of shows in the 50s and early 60s in New York, were coming back from Japan came to see opening night of Peter Pan the musical with Kathy Rigby. That's who we cast in that role and uh, offered us a, a national tour. And uh, eventually there were two limited engagements of that production on Broadway. So Michael Jackson, fast forward 10 years later, heard about this from this colleague of mine that he was having lunch with and said, I want to very much uh, do that show. Um, and I'd like you to get in touch with this fellow. So, my colleague called me, make a long story short, 
a week later, I got a call from Neverland from Michael Jackson on the phone. And Hi, Stuart, this is Michael. <laughs> I was just discussing Peter Pan with <laughs> Wow. So, well, and, and so fa- manager. Yeah, fast forward, you became his spokesperson, um, a confidant. What was that, um, I don't want to call it a circus, but it is a circus because it's Michael Jackson, the attention and everything else that comes with it. What was that like being a representative for Michael Jackson in such a high-profile position? Well, it was really quite a journey. It was amazing, uh, really, from beginning to start. There were so many controversies. I came in um, after the Peter Pan situation and after the uh, Bambi Award debacle um, with the uh, baby dangling incident and how to put out a million fires. Uh, uh, Gloria Allred, the Los Angeles uh, high-profile celebrity attorney, was calling L.A. Family Services after the baby dangling incident, saying that Michael should be this and that. That led to the Martin Bashir documentary that uh, kind of um, put Michael in the light of having untoward relationships with young boys, which really killed him, Jazz. That, even though we did a rebuttal and everything you know, kind of turned around um, over the years, uh, notwithstanding a lot of trauma, including the trial in 2005. But that Martin Bashir documentary, because if you recall, in 93, uh, he made a settlement to uh, a, a, another mm-hmm. uh, a boy, um, and, uh, and that was in 93. So this is now fast forward 10 years later. He thought he had gotten beyond that and was kind of reworking himself into his new life, so to speak, his new midlife. Uh, sort of situation. And then Martin Bashir did that documentary. And let me tell you, he really never recovered from that because the stigma and branding of Michael Jackson as a blank, blank, blank never really went away until more recently, which is the thing that got me going about writing the article that I did because I'm watching the show and I'm saying to myself, all that stuff that happened, all the insults about Wacko Jacko, all the blah, blah, blah about Michael has been dissipated because the crowds went crazy because they were focusing just on his artistry, which was who Michael Jackson was. Tremendous artist. Do you, did, you, after, did you believe any of the allegations against him, though? I mean, not just no, while you I were never, there, but after. I, I never saw anything untoward. And I spent a lot of time with him, both at Neverland and Las Vegas and various other places in the United States, etc., um, and I never saw anything untoward. I saw him being kind to young, prepubescent adults, 12, 13, 15-year-old guys. But I never saw anything, you know, any funny business. And, and I'm not from the Hollywood crowd, believe me. And when I took that job, I was like 49 years old with the family and having, you know, all my experience at the city and producing shows, et cetera. So I wasn't some naive little kid. So, you know, I, 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 I took on the responsibility um, knowing that I have to be accountable and be honest about the situation. But really, I, I never saw anything that led me to believe that he was anything other than idiosyncratic, so to speak. I mean, you know, he was a, he was a funny guy and did funny things, but I never really felt that the accusations were true. And, of course, the, the trial of the century, so to speak. He was. Uh, uh, there were other allegations after, uh, even the ones oh, that we yes, were talking about, and even that. after his death. You believe that none of them ever were true? These are just people looking for attention and, and for money? 
I believe that's the case, really. I believe he was a sensitive soul who, um, who felt that children of 12 or 13 was, was like him. In other words, he never grew up. The reason he wanted to do Peter Pan and the reason he presented the way he presented in his life was because he really never did grow beyond 12 or 13 in a certain way. He was very, very astute when he came to business and in terms of his, you know, dealings with people, et cetera. But really down, you know, uh, in his heart, so to speak, he was really a, a youngster, a, a teenager, where he conducted his life, et cetera. So, no, I, I really didn't. And particularly the last one, the, I think that was called Finding Neverland, I believe, mm-hmm. where um, two of the boys um, who were with Michael for, for a long time, um, as I'll call them protégés or friends or close folks. <clears throat> um, I truly believe in those, in that particular case, that those two guys were looking to cash in. I, I don't believe there was anything that really uh, happened uh, sexually or whatever, um, um, uh, criminally uh, with Michael and those two boys. So, you know, who knows anybody really when when push comes to shove? You hardly know yourself, no less you know mm-hmm. people close to you. But notwithstanding the amount of time I spent, et cetera, I can't say definitively because I don't know. And I was only with them for two years, as opposed to many years before that. And yeah. Then of course, subsequently. So we got about thirty. on it as such that um, he, he 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 didn't do those things that that he was a. Uh, accused of doing yeah we got 30 seconds left here Stuart. uh at the end of the day you went to this play called mj the musical like i said uh it's a success at the box office it was nominated for actually 10 uh, 10 tony awards including best musical you had a wonderful time and it brought back uh, great memories for you absolutely wonderful time of my life and uh you know thing that the show left me with and what's going on now is that there's really an MJ Michael Jackson revival. It's happening all over the world. The fan base, the fans, the Broadway show, uh, the, the hit movie This Is It, which was the uh, documentary about the rehearsals he was supposed to do prior uh, to his passing away. So there's a real revival going on, and uh, I'm happy that it's happening for him um, and his family. Stuart, my friend, pleasure chatting with you. Uh, it's been a long time, but great to hear your voice. Thank you so much. Great to hear you. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. (laughs) Thank you so much.